Hello, and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry Podcast. I'm host, Reverend Mark Kiesling, and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. And we are here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we are continuing our ongoing series, Starter Pack for Youth Ministry, and we're talking about fundraising. We are bringing you something a little different right now, a series of podcasts designed to be sort of starting points for anyone who's new to youth ministry or is looking for a refresher in planning and logistics and best practices. Our focus is to kind of give you a running start, uh, whether you've just recently volunteered to help youth ministry or been elected to a youth board or have a child who's entering youth ministry. And our hope is that as you listen to these kind of eight podcasts, you have a better idea of some of these best practices, these logistics, these healthy, sustainable pieces uh, that help you develop youth ministry. If you want to know more about what healthy youth ministry looks like, uh, you can go back and listen to our series on the seven practices of healthy youth ministry. So most likely, if you're getting into youth ministry, at some point, you're going to have to talk about fundraising. As uh, fundraising is something nearly every youth ministry needs to do from time to time. And this might be for special events, um, like maybe you're going to attend a district event or a youth gathering. This might be for regular events like summer servant events or retreats. Or this just might be consistent or regular fundraising just to provide some extra cash flow for the ministry that's taking place amongst young people. Yeah, I feel like every time uh, we talk about, I hear the word fundraising, I feel like there should be like a dun, dun, dun. That's right, that's right. Like this this major thing that we have to think about. And it's always sort of in the back of your mind uh, as you do youth ministry, uh, because there never seems to be quite enough money for you to do everything that you want to do or need to do. So uh, fundraising ideas tend to fall into a couple of different categories. So uh, some of them are experiences. So there are trivia nights, which are super popular here in the St. Louis area. I'd never done one until I moved here. <laughs> uh, they're everywhere here. Uh, 5K races. Um, I've seen kind of Mother's Day, or, or, um, like uh, dances or different pieces, uh, paint parties. Uh, so anything where somebody's paying to have some sort of experience. Um, and you're fostering that experience, and then um, they're paying you for the ability to do that. Uh, so that's one kind. Another kind could be services. So uh, we're going to do your ever uh, lovely car wash. I mean, car wash has been bake sales. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, well, not bake sales, but we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, <laughs> the car wash is auctioning uh, youth services. So we would do this as a part of our silent auction. Um, young people would donate time. Um, then we would auction that off. Um, Mother's Day is where we're offering babysitting. So anything where you're offering a service in exchange for money or um, food, which is its own subcategory. I mentioned kind of uh, bake sales, which maybe it's a service. I don't know. But <laughs> more often than not, um, it, 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 we can classify it under this idea of food. And so it's um, it could be desserts. It could be pizzas. It could be subs. It could be soups. It could be burritos. It could be uh, chill. I, I, sometimes we have um, some of these that overlap with each other. So you might have a dinner that's a part of an experience, or you might have um, uh, you might offer both services as an auction and food as a part of that auction as well. So combinations of those two. But um, when you're thinking about kind of generally what kind of fundraiser ideas are you looking for? Questions are going to be kind of like, are, are we going to foster an experience? Are we going to provide a service? Are we going to, are we going to feed them? Which we're always really good at in Absolutely. the Lutheran church. <laughs> uh, so uh, 
Mark, is there a, a memorable or maybe favorite fundraiser you've ever participated in? Well, I, I share one um, that's in another podcast that we talk about in terms of large events. So I'm not going to share that one again. So I'm going to talk about one that I got experience as an adult, kind of as I purchased the experience that went along with it. And that was uh, with my wife's school. They did, uh, basically, it was like adult PE night. Um, and so uh, it was an evening at the school to where we came in for a little bit of a dinner and then went down to the gym and basically played all those favorite games or maybe nightmare games, depending on what end you were on from your junior high days in terms of like dodgeball and scooter races. And so it was a bunch of out of shape, middle-aged men trying to, and women too, um, both, they, they kind of split it up a little bit, but uh, playing those games that you either loved or hated when you were in middle school and had a fun competition night. Um, and so we, and we kind of did it late night. So it was kind of like a late night lock-in for adults. And it was fun. It was fun to just go back to those times and, and uh, recapture glory days back when uh, those were uh, much more easier to do but it was it was a great evening nonetheless just to get to know people in a different context and uh, also be able to support the school yeah that's uh <laughs> it sounds both wonderful and awful it was I mean, I, like you have to have a really specific subgroup of oh yeah that want to do that. I, I remember it's kind of the next morning i think through texts and emails talking about like how sore we were because we had not done that kind of uh, athletic uh movement in quite some time so it, but it was fun it was a fun night yeah uh, the the one that kind of sticks out to me or uh, particularly memorable is um, actually not from our church, but from uh, our band in high school. We would sell oranges and grapefruits every year, like pallets of them. Oh, yeah. Um, and we had a special company that would bring them fresh from uh, wherever they were grown. And so, uh, but they, you know, from Kansas, that was like oh, yeah. a a delicacy these oh yeah these very fresh citrus fruits that we couldn't necessarily get um at that quality um and so we would uh, we would sell them and then we would have to spend half a day just like unloading every pallet <laughs> and then delivering these pallets of orange. like delivering oranges is not the easiest task um to do but that this was that was one that was like just kind of off the beaten path really creative something that nobody else was doing and got a really excellent reputation of being just like really delicious fruit and so then like really easy to sell it's so. funny you bring that up because that must have been like a company must have had a good idea to go after bands because that's what my sisters did when they were in high school too and so like you said i mean being in western montana and getting fresh grapefruit i mean i that was my grapefruit time like it was i loved it when it was the band fruit sale because it meant fresh grapefruit Fresh citrus. So that's that's an interesting connection there. There you go. Huh. Someone's had a smart marketing plan, obviously. Well, and there's plenty of places that'll help you uh, think through some of those fundraising options. There's there's lots of them out there. <laughs> well, fundraising can certainly have its challenges and benefits. Uh, we're going to talk about some of that here, and and certainly those that are listening, you probably maybe have been through that, or you're starting to find some of those things as you take on youth ministry roles. And a lot of that depends on your perspective on, on the role of fundraising or the place that it has in your church or in your context. So part of that question of fundraising is to maybe ask that question, is fundraising ministry or what we do to facilitate ministry? And having your leadership understand that from the pastor and, or, and the council or the boards, whatever you might have in your church, to kind of just know what is the philosophy of fundraising and where does it play? Because that might be able to articulate more where it fits in and how you talk about it, how you bring families to the table, 
and how you understand what your goals are for it. So that's at least one place to start is to ask that large overarching question. Uh, what is the role of it in terms of in ministry or what you do to facilitate ministry? Yeah, and there's no right or wrong answer to that, but I do think it's a part of this greater question of stewardship, and that's a conversation that's more than just about money. Um, and so hopefully uh, whatever you're doing in fundraising is aligning itself, is thinking critically about how your whole congregation is thinking about stewardship and talking about stewardship and helping fostering healthy conversation around that. Then uh, fundraising doesn't become um, this burden or this thing that people kind of don't want to have to deal with, um, but rather that it becomes something that you've thought about, that you've had conversations about with your leadership and that you have a, a plan and a way you're thinking about uh, that fundraising. Uh, because uh, prepping and planning for events is about more than just the, <laughs> the right. money. Um, you know, so even as people are, are thinking about how are we going to get enough money to do X, Y, or Z in our youth ministry, uh, we also need to be thinking about how can we help give other people um, places where they can be good stewards uh, to support youth ministry in other ways as well, whether it's their time, their prayers, um, other resources that they can provide. So uh, just thinking about that a little bit in terms of when you get deeper into those conversations, think about maybe some of those challenging questions that come up or things that I no doubt churches have had to wrestle with. And you hope that these conversations are things that build community and understanding um, transparency in the process. But you think about things like if you have events that what are the expected attendance from the youth or the parents or however they invest into that process? Um, what's the kind of the traction of the events going ahead leading to the final event? Um, and what's kind of what's the buy-in or investment that youth or families need to make? And then certainly, too, we'll talk about this in a minute. I know about how do you then distribute the funds to those who have participated in the um, actual fundraising themselves or to those people who are participating in the event? Because um, you know that additional time and commitment can be difficult for youth and families. Um, or you might see in your church that a small percentage of the people do, you know, like a larger percentage of the work. Um, and to have those conversations early on so that you're aware of how that, that plays out in your context. Um, and, and I think you touched on this before, Juliana, too, is that I, I just had a note about you want that process to be more about than just the funds um, that are produced. And so that what is the community that can be built around it? What learning can take place? Um, how can the wider church or community support uh, the group of young people or uh, whatever it might be that you're fundraising for uh, to help support that mission and be able to build that relationship around that? So to be thinking through those things and be looking for those opportunities. Yeah, because it's so easy for us to have kind of negative connotations right. with fundraising. You heard me say it earlier, like you feel like a dun dun dun, like this this terrible villain that walks in the room every time you talk about mm -hmm. fundraising. Um, and I think part of that is because um, people can get burnt out on that. Um, feel like there's always constantly this ask. Um, it can really um, give a negative connotation to what's happening in youth ministry. It's the only thing they're ever seeing of youth ministry is right. constantly asking for, for money in some way. Um, and also there can be some resentment when, you know, one aspect of ministry is funded and another one isn't. Right. Um, and so, you know, who has to fundraise and why? Um, and so there can be some, there are some really tough questions around this that have to be, uh, get talked about and answered, not just within your youth ministry, but within your wider congregation so that um, you can handle and think about fundraising in a, in a healthy way, in a helpful way, rather than fostering kind of this um, kind of negative, ugly sentiment. Right. And obviously, there's so many benefits that can come out of the fundraising process, uh, let alone the activity or the event, 
the service that gets to be provided by the funds that are raised, obviously a, a huge piece for the youth and the adults that are involved, as well as those who maybe receive the service that takes place through the generosity of others. But along the way too, this helps young people understand how maybe church budgets work, um, just how people come together around a common cause to support one another. Um, and then I, I think too, it aids in that conversation about accountability and expectations when preparing and planning for ministry too. So this is, we talk about getting young people into leadership roles. Um, you know, I go back into my youth and it was often these fundraising times where I learned a lot about leadership in the church and how it works and expectations that are laid upon and work with intergenerationally too. There's a great opportunity for me to learn about the church that way. So, so again, that's where some of that extra benefit can come through fundraising, especially for those who are maybe inclined to do these types of things, who wants to do the spreadsheets, who wants to be a part of that and, and use those gifts. This is really a way for them to draw in and see how God uses their gifts in service. Yeah. So regardless of where you land on this question of, of is fundraising ministry or is it what we do to facilitate ministry, uh, fundraising, we're just going to say is probably for almost all con- or all youth ministry is going to be necessary at some point. So we're going to focus on how to get the most out of what you do and some critical things that you should be thinking about as you make those plans. So uh, we're going to start with uh, Mark's favorite thing, which is the spreadsheets and yes. the budget. Um, and maybe perhaps my least favorite thing, which is why we work together as a team. Uh, so, so Mark, what do we need to start out with when it comes to spreadsheets and budgets? Sure. Every context is going to know a little bit different, but certainly to kind of think down um, and, and, or, or write down and think about uh, kind of to know your budget and how much you need to make. So what are those goals in terms of whether it's the overall process in terms of what you need to fundraise for an event or for an activity that might be taking place? Um, and then in those to be able to understand, you know, like how many people you have coming, uh, what's the the the, pro, the proceeds that need to be made. But then also to think about the things that you are able to control a little bit more, and that's your costs. So there's going to be a cost of fundraising, most likely, that you're going to have to think through. So that's something that kind of you want to start with and say, what are those things that we can control? What are those things that we can be starting to look for as you're planning? Um, so you're really clear about how much you are needing to raise and then what it also it is for. Um so that budget uh, becomes really this key because it keeps you from either over or under uh, under fundraising and also kind of gives everyone a clear picture of what you're striving for and how that money will be used. And so that helps with the clear communication piece, too, um, so that parents are, are prepared for church leadership as members of the church as they're giving their money and supporting. Um, so that way, that's, a, again, a great opportunity for you to show transparency and the goals to which you're striving towards in your budget. Yeah, and one of the things we want to be really clear about is that as a nonprofit, you can't fundraise money for one thing and then use it for another. So just like any other nonprofit, uh, you can't put a label on something and say we're fundraising for X and then use that money for Y. Uh, that's it's not good practice. And so uh, if you fundraise too much money and you have specifically stated what that thing is for, um, so if you have said it is for this summer's servant event, you ha- you can't use it to send uh, young people to the National Youth Gathering in 2022. Uh, you have to be able to, to spend it on that event. Um, or, uh, you know, you you run the risk of, of some issues in terms of, of alienation, just good practice with that. So uh, you can 
say I were fundraising for youth ministry very broadly and then with anything underneath that does count. But if you are um, putting out publicity and labeling it one way, uh, if you over fundraise, you can't just, well, we'll just shove that money someplace else for the retreat that'll happen next summer. No, you, you fundraise that money for that event. That's what your donors gave that money to. So um, my strategy was always to say broadly, we're fundraising for youth ministry. Um, and we would talk about what that meant. So we would talk about what happens under that budget. And the biggest part of that budget would probably be our mission trips or uh, would be our, our, our gathering trips or that, those kinds of things. But, um, but you can't um, label something specifically as a fundraiser for something and then use it for something else. Absolutely. And, and being clear and communicating those things and about your budget, that helps people to understand what they're giving towards. And, and I think, you know, done right in a lot of contexts that actually encourages people to be generous rather than kind of maybe putting a cap on what they can give. It actually um, moves to their heart and their motivation to give, to, especially when they have relationships with these young people or adults and see the benefit of the service or event that they might be going to. And so you actually are blown away by the generosity of people when they're kind of given that opportunity to be generous in their fundraising. It is so amazing to me. Uh, this great example of, of uh, and I've seen it from other people too. We used to put kind of price tags on yeah. all of the baskets. We spent all this time putting like little tiny 50 cent stickers on every plate of brownies. And, and we thought like that was, that was a great way. And, and we wanted to keep the cost low so that people would be encouraged to buy more. And truly our profits uh, almost doubled the year that we just said like wow. it's free will right <laughs> pay what you want pay what you can um and and give generously this is take you know like take what you think is fair for the the money you're donating or, or that kind of thing um when we stopped worrying about um about underselling the the pie so to incentivize people to take it home with them we actually found that we made a lot more money yeah. so uh don't undersell yourself in that way <laughs> Yep, and, and I think too, I mean, along that way, I think just you got you got congregational members who love their young people and want to support them and they're just they're waiting for the invitation of how to do that. Um, I feel like you know, we don't keep data on this, but I mean just it maybe social media skews a little bit in terms of what I'm seeing, but I feel like more and more churches too have gone to uh, you know, people don't necessarily need more things and they don't need <laughs> and they don't want to necessarily be fundraised to death, like one every month kind of thing. And so sometimes they come up with plans maybe like sponsorships. Um, and so uh, families or other adults and congregations can generously give to a young person in terms of investing in them. Um, so this might be done at different levels. And in that way, too, then you kind of have a relationship with this person. So you're praying for them. You get to hear about the trip maybe afterwards if it's an event type thing. I mean, just kind of get to be able to build this relationship around a particular youth or youth uh, number of youth in your congregation. So I think that's been a thing, whether it's envelopes or some other ways that congregations have done that. That kind of, I think, simplifies and focuses more on the relationship than necessarily maybe some of those other pieces that might be more um, week in, week out and uh, might be more taxing on people. So I think that's a trend that we've seen a little bit in some congregations. And that helps us kind of think about this next point, which is identifying key dates where fundraising can happen with big results yeah. and with little distraction from, from your ministry. 
so a lot of fundraising happens around key dates, uh, Advent and Lent, especially those Wednesday night dinners, uh, <laughs> Easter, Super Bowl, Valentine's Day, uh, those key holidays can be super helpful. Uh, but you really have to be able to identify those well in advance, communicate that with the rest of the, the leadership in your congregation, make a plan, especially if there are other ministry areas that are fundraising as well. So if the adult mission trip is fundraising yeah. and LWML is fundraising and the school is fundraising, um, make a plan for, okay, who gets what? Because you can't both have Super Bowl sub fundraisers right, on the same day. Right. Uh, how are we thinking through that? And um, if that's something where we say, hey, we're going to have a ton of visitors on Easter and we don't really want the focus to be around a fundraiser. Okay, then let's have that conversation so that we can make the best strategy um, for how we will find the right day and time that is going to be um, the least distracting for the ministry and with the biggest result. Yeah, I, th I think, you know, we, we see that conversation with congregations too, is that maybe there's been time where some fundraisers have become the focus over above the ministry that's happening. So like you're just mentioning Easter, I, mean, I think some of that I've had to say like, hey, the Easter breakfast became a distraction to our Easter worship and we're here to worship. <laughs> that needs to yeah. be our focus. And so we're going to actually move that because for the good of the church and for the good of what's going on, we're going to do the week after maybe. And when we can just focus on that or find another day to do it because we want to make sure it's about the ministry, the focus on Christ, uh, not the fundraising side. So that's I think that's a good assessment to do from time to time uh, with your church leadership and just to make sure that's not getting out of whack and causing more issues for people. And so again, that there's to say, hey, for the good of what we're here for, to be the body of Christ together, to receive Christ's gifts or whatever the, the, the activity may be, we're going to move the fundraising side a little bit. And like you said, too, thinking about visitors that might be attending um, and who's being brought into your, your midst, that there's some good questions to think through. I um, truly appreciated having this conversation with my, my leadership when I was in Chicago. Um, because we had exactly this conversation. We said kind of Easter breakfast has been this like big fundraiser for us and it's super critical. And um, we need, we need the funds to be able to do that our summer trips, but, uh, but we feel like it's taking away from this ministry and, and what is the message that it's sending, especially to the people who are visiting um, us on Easter. And so we actually started this conversation, the result of which was to say, Hey, we're going to add that money that you would make into your, uh, your yearly budget. Mm. Yeah. Um, wow. but we're going to ask you to do the Easter breakfast as a thank you to the congregation. Cause we still want to have the breakfast and we still need somebody to be responsible for it. And so our Easter breakfast then became a thank you to the congregation cool. for the support they provided for us all year. And so then it was just a way of, uh, we did the same things, <laughs> we put in the same work. I was still at church at four in the morning, putting <laughs> casseroles in the oven, but, uh, but the, the focus was, Hey, these young people are here to serve and to thank you for your support rather than we're here to ask for more money on this, this uh, day that we're celebrating uh, Jesus' resurrection. So uh, having those conversations, making sure you're checking the church's calendar when you're planning a fundraiser, that you're getting the right approval from the boards and staff. Not only is that just check marking off the box, but start some good conversation about how we can do this well. Uh, Cause you don't really want your fundraiser to compete with ministry opportunities. Right. Yeah. Let's turn a little bit here, maybe, and talk a little bit about maybe the fundraising itself, especially. I love, um, I am not kind of one of those real creative people, but yet I'm amazed at some of the creative fundraising we see and the fun that can come out of it and also the ministry opportunities that can happen. So, like, when you're thinking through the planning and things, Juliana, like, what are some things you think about um, in terms of maybe how can you get creative? How do you get more people involved? How do you um, get traction that way? Like, just kind of some best tips or some thoughts that you've maybe learned through the way or what you hear from other people that are doing these fundraisers? 
we you, you we mentioned it earlier. One of the things that uh, that we remember about a fundraiser is that it was innovative, that it had a, that it was something that was different, right? People do um, enjoy something, and also something that where they feel like um, not only are they helping ministry, but they're getting something positive out of that interaction as well. Um, I I think one of those ways is to think about um, outside of the box ideas. Right. So um, one of those would be like, well, we, we always do a car wash and, and people pay us per, per, for the car wash. Um, could you uh, have members of your congregation pledge per car mm. and then make the car wash free to your community? Right. So you're still making money. It's still a fundraiser. Your congregation's still helping you. Um, your friends and family are still helping you. Um, but but to the community, outward facing, um, it's free. Uh, and that's a great way to interact with your community in a really positive way. Or um, can you have students offer up skills or, or um, things that they can do in exchange for donations? Um, so that could be everything from babysitting uh, to cleaning to, um, you know, I've seen all sorts of uh, tech support, <laughs> all sorts right, of different right. things um, that, that our young people are gifted to be able to do. It gives them a chance to share their gifts and skills. Um, maybe meeting some new people in the in the congregation. Um, so uh, taking uh, what you would normally do and let's think outside of that box or that traditional fundraiser and think about some other ways that you can incorporate um, some pieces that are going to help expand the ministry opportunities that you're going to see in that fundraiser. I think there's great opportunities too to be deliberate in how you in, invite and connect people maybe back to either the ministry programs that are taking place um, or to worship itself to get uh, people connected to um, again that time where we come together as God's people so it's like like, like you mentioned with the Easter breakfast like how do you do a thank you maybe in connection to a ministry that might take place or how um, do you lift up maybe key supporters uh, so that way people understand like oh I didn't know another member was real passionate about youth ministry and that they're a key supporter financially. Um, what a great encouragement that is. And what a great place for people to build relationships around too. And you see these connections within your congregation about who are connecting and loving on their young people and supporting them. Um, and so there's great ways that can, you can bring that back into other ministries that are taking place. I, I think of um, uh, some churches that are real deliberate about when there's time for maybe a fundraiser to happen that, you know, part of it is going to be the youth needs to go to the adult Bible class. If that's the format you have and talk about the ministry you're doing and the fundraising that's there, and that they're invited into that conversation. And so there's, again, this great connection between other ministry programs that are happening on, happening uh, so that just there's more communication amongst the body of Christ and more support that way too. Um, and so it's a great way to build relationships that way. Yes, yeah, so think creatively about um, who's involved, right? So who am I asking to give, right? So maybe it's not just always my family or uh, my congregation, but can I get other people to be involved in that giving process? And can I give them something unique in that process? Um, so whether that's an experience or a service or a food item that's unique um, to that, how can I think outside of that box? Or how can I take what I've traditionally done and give it a twist that might might try and, and give us some, some added advantage? Uh, Marco, what are some ways you've seen uh, fundraisers you've seen done really well? Any, I, we get to see lots of examples of this on our Facebook page, LCMS Youth Ministry. Um, any of it stand out to you? Yeah, I think I feel like I've seen this more. Again, maybe it's just because of social media being there. But the one that uh, kind of is around the envelope process where it's kind of a way to sponsor uh, your group. And so people usually can grab an envelope at a certain amount of, of uh, 
donation that they're going to provide. And so that the envelope's there then to remind you about it, to be praying about it. And then that's the, one of the appropriate time is to give the dollar amount that you might have. And some people might take more than one or, or maybe it's for a specific part of the event that's going on. So you understand even what your money specifically is going to. And so then it usually always wrapped around that obviously is some sort of relationship building with the young person or the adult that's going. Um, and so there's prayer time, there's connection, there's opportunities to write notes of encouragement. Um, and then also just face-to-face meeting too through the church. Um, so I think that's always a, a one thing I've seen that's new that allows for kind of something tangible, the envelope to take home um, for a reminder, but then also a relationship side that comes out of it. And again, I think it's one of those things that in our society a little bit, I'm not buying a bunch of stuff maybe at times. And I think there's been a change in that in the fundraising to where like, this is how I can joyfully give um, without necessarily accumulating more things. Um, and just more, it's about the relational side. So I think that's one I've seen uh, more and more that's been happening. One of the pieces you want to think about then when you're thinking about something like the envelope uh, thing, one of the things that makes that so successful is the fact that um, it is a high return on investment. <laughs> and uh, so it's low overhead and it's it's excellent connection, right? Uh, I think one of the pieces people don't often think through is um, not just what's a good idea, but what has a low overhead. So like, what are you spending the least amount of money on to get the most bang for your buck Um, instead of doing a lot of little fundraisers. So if your bake sale makes you $50, you have to do it how many times before, you know, your your car wash makes you, you know, $200, but like how many times are you going to have to do that in order to make the amount that you need to get to where you need to go? Um, so it takes a lot of planning to think about bigger fundraisers or ones that have a stronger return on investment, um, but that can go a lot further than doing a ton of little fundraisers that may have a diminishing return over time. Uh, that for me, it was one of the hardest things trying to uh, find the right fundraiser for the right group of people to get creative, but then also to make sure that it has uh, the biggest um, bang. So, um, you know, I, I think that's maybe why trivia nights are so popular here in St. Louis, because uh, it's pretty low overhead. You have to make sure to have um, tables out and uh, good trivia and a great environment. Uh, but there's lots of opportunities within that to be able to make a lot of uh, extra money without necessarily putting um, a ton of money into the experience. Um or auctions. I've seen those be super successful because uh, you get a lot of things donated. Then people, anything you make um, above and beyond, <laughs> anything you make on that is is um, is money that you're going to be able to put uh, put away for ministry. And so uh, that's some, an important uh, aspect to think about. Yeah, I think that's where envelopes are popular too. Like, what does it cost you? box of envelopes not too much overhead right oh yeah it's a time time investment but in terms of the cost it's not not too much yeah uh so yeah. there's there's usually a bulletin board you can find to to make that happen so but yeah and i and i think too even like you said about the planning and the larger picture stuff too is like even thinking down the line if if say you have a large event coming you're going to do multiple ones what are things that you can buy that are going to be used at multiple ones go to the go do the sam's club the costco run to get a little bit cheaper maybe or to to share with another ministry so there's just some cost savings that you can do by working together by planning um, is something that, again, is, uh, I think, something that can help churches when they're looking at their limited budget. And use things like Thrive in Action Grants. Yeah. <laughs> so if you do have a little bit of overhead decorations or food or whatever, uh, make sure to utilize your Thrive in Action Grants. Uh, they're easy to get. They provide great startup money, um, shirts and support. 
uh, a way to cut down on the overhead of a fundraiser that helps get you uh, helps increase the amount of, of money you have coming in that helps increase uh, and lower <laughs> the amount of fundraisers that you have to do over the course of, of a year or two years or whatever. So want to um, as we kind of wrap up here, want to talk a little bit about maybe some tips on so you actually have the fundraising or you're planning for the actual management of the funds. Um, and so be thinking about that again, kind of go back to that spreadsheet a little bit, um, the counting, the whatever your process may be within your churches, make sure with the treasurer or your business manager uh, that you've gone through that, you understand that well, the, the safeguards that need to take place. Um, and so just basically to make sure like those books and the records and the, the cash itself are, or checks, whatever may be coming in, if you got online uh, giving, that those things are handled appropriately. Um, certainly one part of fundraising planning that often gets overlooked is again, just how to make sure that those funds are getting to the right account and just those little detail things. And that may not be your gift, but make sure you know the person on your team who has that or how you work with the business manager and the treasurer, um, just so that there's very clear expectations in terms of where that money's supposed to go, how it's counted for, who's responsible for it. Um, just so again, to, to increase transparency um, and just to be upfront about our stewardship of the resources that have been given to us. You do not want to be the person who suddenly has thousands of dollars of cash on your person yeah. who's with no uh, way of safely uh, protecting slash depositing that. I'm uh, saying that maybe as a person who may have accidentally been <laughs> yeah. that person. Oh, um, stories and uh, stories. Right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you learn, right, to make sure to have volunteers who are going to sit with you and count that with you, double count it with you. Um, put it together in a way that it can be deposited safely uh, by your treasurer. It works that in advance uh, before you get uh, stuck with a bag of cash, um, which may or may not be a safe thing to have. Uh, and then make sure that you are uh, thinking through some of the rules that are going to be around. We mentioned, um, you know, rules about uh, having money go to where it's supposed to, but also, uh, the IRS has said uh, pretty definitively you cannot give fundraising money directly towards one person's account uh, without running into some problems. So uh, you can't have um, a fundraiser where, you know, Jenna did X, Y, and Z, and so then that much money gets put into their account and, and somebody else, Sam, did this much and he gets that much put into his account. Um without uh, it being, uh, IRS labels that as income, and then there get tax issues involved. Um, so you have to really think about making sure that you aren't doing this in a way uh, that could potentially be problematic uh, for you with the federal government, which is not a thing you want to think about. That is for sure. And, and some of those are, I would say too, I mean, that's a little bit of a more recent development with the accounts, especially. So it's always to keep on top of that. And again, hopefully you have a treasurer or a business manager who can help you with that. So don't feel you're alone in that. I mean, I'm, I'm always kind of amazed too how much tips there are available online, um, but certainly mm -hmm. seek clarification with people that you're working with because that's really important. Um, we kind of talked about this in maybe some other context too, but just lift up in terms of that managing the fund piece too, is to make sure that your congregation isn't experiencing fundraiser burnout. Um, so talk to your leadership about how you can prevent that frustration or maybe where there's some places where things can be communicated more or better if that's what needs to happen, whether it's more communication or whether it's maybe some different ways that uh, the numbers can be expressed or the goals for the fundraising can happen. Um, and maybe that's a way too, which can be a good conversation with leadership is to understand. I, mean, I appreciate what you're talking about, what you guys did with your uh, Easter breakfast, 
is that maybe it's a time to talk about where more funds can be allocated into the budget too, so that it's just up front. And so there isn't as much fundraising that needs to happen, but rather this is a way we show support and so that more focus can maybe be put on to uh, relationship building or other Bible study activities or whatever it may be. Um, and too, there might be some opportunities within that for ministries to work together for some maybe some larger fundraising opportunities or again, to bring generations together just from a relational standpoint. And it might be able to increase your buy-in and also increase the re, uh, resources that you receive from doing events. And the, the congregation may respond to having less can mean more in terms of the bang for the buck and the response that you get for an event because there's just less activity or less things to buy, whatever it might be. I, I use the example, my wife's at a Lutheran school and they really, that's the process they took. They used to have, I don't even know how many fundraisers a year and they really simplified it to where they say, we do our auction once every other year. And we do our one big fundraiser once a year. And that's kind of what they did. And I think it's been a really good change for them to do that. And that's a great example of how, um, if you think all the way through, you're communicating that well, you say, this is how much we need to raise. We want to be able to raise it in these X, Y, and Z fundraisers. Um, so be prepared. We're not going to nickel and dime you. Oh, right. this, these are the places where we want you to give. Um, and this is how you can be connected to the ministry as a part of that giving um, and beyond that giving. Uh, that can make a, a tremendous difference in the attitude people have towards fundraising, yeah. in the generosity people have towards fundraising, um, in just the uh, attitude that they have about the ministry that they're fundraising for. Um, so, you know, work together, get, get together with your school, get together with your LWML, do, do bigger collective things. Or come up with a strategy with your leadership on how you're going to get to where you need to go in the most effective way. And then communicating that, um, that kind of clarity uh, can be tremendously helpful in the process. So uh, great things to think about as you think through fundraising and how, how you might handle that. Uh, hopefully you got some tips and tricks, some ideas. We mentioned quite a few different ideas that you might want to take up. But you can also go back and look uh, at the LCMS Youth Ministry uh, Facebook group. Uh, there's tons of, there's a whole tag uh, where you can go through and look at tons of different ideas people have um, on ideas for fundraisers. But hopefully this helps you think through um, some of the places that you need to strategize on uh, to have successful, healthy fundraisers in your youth ministry. Uh, so as a closing challenge, a couple of things to think about. How can you be more strategic about your ministry's fundraisers? Now, the question is, how can you ensure that there is transparency about the budget so that others can give generously? And how, what new fundraisers might you try to see if it encourages something new or innovative or creative in your congregation or community? We continue to keep you in our prayers as you look to make sure your youth ministry has the resources it needs. Um, and as you continue to care for the young people of your congregation. As Juliana said, uh, for ideas on fundraisers, go to the LCMS Youth Ministry Group, uh, where you can ask questions and also search to find other fundraising ideas. Pray that that'll be a blessing for you and your ministry as you build relationships with young people. Um, and certainly, if you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive review as it helps other people find us. Ed Goals Podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.